You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition, a special Monday edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. My name is Brendan Chagru. I am hosting tonight. Ryan Dingle is off. So let's just see what happens and see how much we can keep this train on the tracks uh, because it's probably going to go off it at some point. But if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Brendan Chagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Make sure you check out my work at thebearswire.com. Definitely putting out a lot of stuff over the last uh, couple days, especially with the Bears playing last night, because we have a very sad, sad game to recap, and we can't do it without the rest of the crew. So I'm going to bring in Jack Wright. You can follow him at Bear Down Jack, and then we also have Patrick Papa Sheldon at P underscore Shells. Um, guys, before we get into the game, uh, we were waiting all day for Sunday night before we got that ass kicking, but how did you spend your Sundays without having the bears ruin the actual day for you? I'm a big like fan of Sundays in general because you can control the pace of your life. I mean, shells, maybe just don't listen for a little while. Cause this will be down the road for you, but I did, I wake up, go for a walk, grab some coffee, uh, Make sure all my lineups are set. Listen to Sirius XM and the Fantasy Sports Network. You know, see who's in and out. Um, uh, set my lineups, make some wagers. And again, I think it's kind of fun to watch games, uh, you know, from noon on that you're not as invested in because you can just, I mean, it's the sports equinox, boys. Like it is like the That's highlight. That's true. I mean, there are like, despite the Bears' woes, it's pretty freaking awesome right now to be a sports fan in general. So I just really leaned into sportsing in every way. What about you, Sheldon? Oh, you're muted. My God, my God. It's amateur hour on a Monday. (laughs) Dangle's not here to to keep me honest. You know, he had to go full disclosure. uh, There's apparently a gathering at Howell's hall to keep Valus Jones in the roster and Ryan Dangle is coordinating it or something. Uh, So he's, unavailable tonight and he's not here to keep me honest and let me know that i'm on mute um hold on Sheldon. jack before we, we before gotta, you start before you start Heidi. hello look who's Heidi. here <laughs> look who's here awesome. heidi zimmerman cousin heidi cool. i can't believe it i'm so happy we're all so happy so for for people who don't know i'm sorry i don't mean to inter, you know interrupt no, no, no. for people who don't know heidi is we've shouted her out a million times she's one of the best bears fans and she came up to chicago last weekend to watch the Bears and Raiders, and she returned to her home of Acapulco within a day or so. It was just devastated by Hurricane Otis. I'm sure you guys, everybody has seen the footage or heard about it. It, it was completely something that was unprepared for. The forecasters had no idea, and Heidi just, you know, felt the worst of it. You know, the whole city was just, you know, destroyed, and we were so worried. We were so worried about you, Heidi, like for real talk. 
we hadn't, you know, we hadn't heard from her on social media. Thankfully she's okay. Um, she's, she's getting through it. I know she relocated to another city, but we're just so happy you're here and we're so happy that you're, uh, you know, you're doing the best you can. And, um, we're just thankful that you're safe and, you know, and healthy through all this. Several days ago, I sent her a a message on, on Twitter and, and just heard back today. So it was quite a relief to know that she's, she's doing okay. So Heidi, it's really good to see you on the show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it was a dicey couple of days for all of us. I think the last post that I remember of hers before, um, you know, the hurricane was her posting a video of, of the power going out in Acapulco. And and then we didn't hear from her for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, everybody's just praying for the best. So we're obviously thrilled that you're okay. Um, wishing nothing but the best and, and hope everybody's, um, you know, getting back to a little bit of normalcy today. But uh, we are absolutely thrilled to have you on and and so glad you're here, Heidi. Yeah, definitely. So Shells, I'm sorry. You, you please continue with your. No, singing. I yeah, <clears throat> I was just marveling at at all this free time Jack has on Sundays. I think I would have gotten to wake up and then my day would have just been thrown into chaos. Uh, <laughs> but no, I I spent um, the whole weekend actually uh, at the ballpark as I normally do. Uh, my oldest had a tournament. They uh, they dominated on Saturday. They won a combined thirty three to one through two no hitters. Uh, and uh, rolled into Sunday, won the first two games, and then uh, unfortunately came up a little bit short in the championship game. But they played three games on Sunday, and uh, so I was at the ballpark all day. Uh, I got home and caught a little bit uh, of the game. I think I turned it off mm, about midway through the third quarter. I just, I think I texted you guys. I was like, ah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, but that's that's how I spent my Sunday and how I'll, I'll spend my next two weekends. We've got tournaments coming up the next two weekends. So that's so probably that. yeah. No, that's awesome though. Uh, yeah, mine was just watching football. I, I loved being. I was with some friends. There was a small gathering, and we were just flipping through all the games, and it was so fun. Like the witching hour. Like um, my buddies got the Sunday tickets, so we were just like, "Oh, let's go to that game. We got to see the end of this game. The end of that game." Um, and it was, I just, I pointed out, I'm like, this is so much fun to just watch football, kick back, not worry about it. Um, and then just prepare for the impending doom that was coming on Sunday night instead of just having to deal with it at noon. So at least I had that going for me, um, which is nice. Dangle in the comments. Uh, what are you doing? Dangle, get back to the mission at hand and keeping Valus Jones in this roster. You don't need to be engaging with us tonight. Go do what you got to do, buddy. I know how much it means to you. He's just checking in, you know, he knows how much Valus means to Jack as well. So we got to, you know, we, he's got to keep tabs on us. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. We, we're, we've, we've spent too long not talking about this game. Um, let's, before we get our quick thoughts though, we do have uh, a little word from, from some partners. So Jack, if you want to take it away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we want to make sure that we give our shout outs, uh, especially to uh, Sheridan's Barbershop. Um, we uh, we know that Sheridan's is the best place for you to get a haircut, uh, hands down. And we talk about it all the time, uh, but we want to make sure that you know all the deets uh, so that you can get yourself to Sheridan's and get yourself that haircut, haircut without a doubt. Um, and uh, you can probably tell right now that uh, I had the read uh, up uh, and now the read's not showing up. 
so I'm going to go ahead uh, and I'm going to talk uh, first about the other, uh, the new opening. Uh, we've got a new place that you can get your haircut, and that's at Hensel's Barbershop. That's in downtown Naperville. Now, Hensel's has been there since 1966, and there are six barbers there. They're open Tuesday through Saturday. And you can walk in if you want to walk in, uh, or you can make an appointment. So if you want to book your appointment, you can go to hensel'sbarbershop.com. And the Hensel's part of that is spelled H-E-N-C-Z-E-L-S, hensel'sbarbershop.com. And you can use the slogan, uh, where traditional meets modern. You can tell them uh, that the Bear Down Chicago podcast sent you. Uh, got a photo from Will uh, this past week, and uh, we had a customer go in and say, hey, the Bear Down Chicago podcast sent me, got his haircut. Uh, so so thanks to the listeners and thanks to all of you who are um, taking our advice and going and listening to uh, us about going to get your haircuts because uh, Sheridan's Barbershop and Hensel's Barbershop is where traditional meets modern. We lost like three viewers for that music. <laughs> Sheldon, that was our surprise. We added in uh Jack's like, I want to do have some music with the with the ad reads. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I think pr- everybody was dropping going, Do I have a tab open that I shouldn't right now? Let me go <laughs> or somebody. We were all thinking it. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? I thought like that was like the perfect, perfect music uh for that situation. Maybe. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, look, this is what happens when I get to host. I like I, there's no rules. All right. Nope. We just go with the flow. Uh, but look, we spent too much time, you know, just messing around. We got to talk about the Bears. They lose 30 to 13 against Los Angeles Chargers. Another Sunday night drubbing. Um, I found out it was the it, there's been it's been five years since the Bears have won a Sunday night football game. They are 0 and 8, I believe. So whenever Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth come on your screen, run because it's bad news. Um, look, this was a just drubbing. This was a a team that was just completely outcoached, unprepared, again, coming off a win. It's almost like they pat themselves on the back too much after they do something good. And then they go play another game, especially against like a real team with real players, and then just get just destroyed on every single front. So I don't know what you guys expected. I expected like a little bit closer game. I did have the Chargers winning, but from the get-go, like the Chargers had, their offense was perfectly, they, they game planned perfectly for what the Bears defense offered. Just all those dinks and dunks, beating the cover two zone, easily getting past tacklers. They didn't need to run the ball. They could just do those screens and quick slants and they were able to easily move the ball down the field. So um those are just my quick thoughts. Uh, let's go Jack and shells for what you guys thought just overall thoughts of the game. Yeah, I was with you. I thought that there was a chance that it would be close or, you know, just an outside, you know, wild hair of a prediction that the bears, you know, might be able to pull it off. And if I had been thinking, uh, I wouldn't have thought that probably because I think ultimately what you have is, you know, a professional organization against a team that's just not very good. Uh, like I've said in the past, that if, if the goal is to be incredibly inconsistent, uh, to have some high highs and low lows, then the, you know the Bears have achieved that. You know, I guess like a lot of folks, I was I was concerned that um, you know the Chargers would be more difficult for 
uh, Bajent because they would disguise coverages, uh, they would mask and they would shift and it would be more difficult for Bajent to be able to read the field. But I think something you said, Brendan, makes a ton of sense. It looked as though their game plan was really, we just need to be able to handle what Fluce's defense throws at us. And they did. And they could basically just play their basic defensive packages because our, well, our offense isn't very good. You don't ever know which Luke Getze you're going to get. And it was bad Luke Getze this week, good Luke Getze last week. No identity, no rhythm on the offense. And so, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing, obviously. But I think, you know, like last week I was going to say to Shells and Ryan, I'm like, hey, guys, come on over here. I saved you a seat in my section. It's like, you know how they have like a, a family section where you can't have beers? But like in my section, there's no high highs and there's no low lows. We're just going to ride this thing out, man. I'm just going to watch it. We're going to ride it out because what else can we do? So I got two seats. I got two seats for you guys. Sounds like there's a lot of weed in that section. Nice. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, Brendan, you asked about what our expectations were. I, I think I'm at the point in this season that I don't have any expectations anymore. Um, you know, I go into a game and I'll watch it for as long as I can tolerate, really. It's it's kind of gotten to that point. And I think I was somewhat intrigued just to see what Beijing could do uh, against, you know, a, a a little better defense, although their, their passing defense is not great, but, um, you know, a little more professional than, than the Raiders were last week. Uh, obviously a great defensive line with Bosa and Khalil Mack and others, um, even some former bears, uh, won't get into that, but I mean, I was kind of intrigued to see how he would do. Uh, and then I, I just sort of lost interest. Uh, I think the most exciting part of the game from a bears fans perspective uh, was probably the the uh, um, Chargers social media tweet after the game that I took a nice dig at us, but I have to admit it was it was pretty funny. Um, but I it, you know it, it's it's funny, but then it's also really sad because I like I sat there and I saw that and I just said, my gosh, they just like absolutely threw uh, shade at the Bears, and I wonder if if I wonder if the Bears ownership knows like that they are. They are what the Lions have been for decades. They are what the, the Browns had been for decades. They are now the laughing stock in the NFL. They are now the, uh, the the gold standard when it comes to shit organizations. Like that that's who that's who they are at this point. Um, and I, I you know I hate to be that way, but I, that's just reality guys. they're they're awful. This team doesn't know how to win. Like, truly, they don't know how to win under this regime. And I know I've talked about it a lot. I've tweeted about it a lot. The fact that the Bears just don't have a two-game winning streak under Matt Eberflus. And on the surface, it's like, yeah, that's ridiculous. How can a coach do that? I mean, every single Bears coach has done that at this point through 25 games in team history. But it goes to it goes past, like, just a dubious stat like that. It tells me that whenever this team actually – lucks into any sort of success or any like good things that happen, like after the commander's game, how everything clicked the Raiders game as well. They spend the, I don't know what they do, but it feels like they spend the week just hyping themselves up. Like, yeah, we are a good football team. We know what we're doing. The process is working. And then they completely forget 
how to actually play a football game. And they go out the next week and look completely unprepared. I mean, like it would be one thing if it was at least competitive and at least like, okay, you're trading blows with the chargers, but you had one good play in the entire first quarter, really that Darnell Mooney catch. And then after that, you couldn't do anything with it. And then Justin Herbert goes out and doesn't miss a pass almost like you forget how to tackle. You don't have the fundamentals. You're committing too many pre-snap penalties. And it's just like, it takes you losing so much to finally like get yourself back to winning. And you don't know how to handle that. I, um, a friend of the show, Mark Brody made a comment on the post game. And he had said this, said this on Thursday that the bears locker room was hyped and they were excited on Thursday. Like they, he's like, I haven't heard that. Um, he's like, I haven't heard something like that in a long time, like at least not this season. And it's kind of like, what are you having to celebrate? Like that you beat the Raiders and that you have two wins on the season. It just tells me that whatever it is, whether it's Eberflus or the players, it's both really, but the entire organization doesn't know how to handle any sort of success. And that is a huge problem a year and a half into a regime like this. You know, I think that's an excellent point. And, and Shells, you made the point um, last week about the umbrella nature that should be the role of a head coach. And that included, you know, your words loosely were, hey, maybe you need to go into the offensive room and talk to Getsy and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing and here's what I want, just to, to paraphrase you. And I, I think so similar, similarly in this situation, Brendan, what you just alluded to is also the job of the head coach. And I was joking a minute about, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have high highs and low lows. And that, like, that is something that I would repeat constantly as a coach, you know, just to say like, and you hear the, some of the greatest athletes talk about that too. Like having just kind of this being, being, you know, the ship and not the ocean and staying focused and, and, and looking at the ways in which the play to play, performance then equates to a win so you don't get out over your skis and start thinking about wins when you've only won how many games in the last year right i mean so like i think you know I, i've not been overly critical of flus but i i would put that on the head coach i mean if, if you get that vibe in the locker room then that says something larger about the message that they're getting from a day-to-day -day basis how many how many players on this team like know what it's like to win how many how many players come from a winning franchise or winning pedigree i mean i can i can think of maybe a handful off the top of my head and then after that i'm like who is there i mean, mean edwards yeah edwards yeah. edmonds yeah. maybe you throw patrick in there coming from the packers um but i mean like th it, there are a handful of players that know what it takes to win that have been on successful teams uh for any length of time and you at some point you have to infuse young talent with quality veterans who who can bring some type of leadership to the locker room and can bring a winning attitude to the locker room um and the bears haven't done that no, no i'm trying to i was trying to rack my brain too and how much of a leader was tj edwards too in philly i'm not like uh, discounting him or anything like that. It's just that team was loaded with guys like Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson and um, Darius Slay on the defensive side. So you go down the list, it's like TJ Edwards. He's kind of like that 
I'm going to put him in that Danny Trevathan category where he was kind of like one of the lower ends of a championship caliber team comes to Chicago and maybe, maybe like the culture's better, but they, the bears didn't win when they got Janie Trevathan, not until like year three. Um, it takes a long time to build that winning culture and it really sets you back. If you don't have a, co- a coach or a coaching staff that can keep that message the same, I think Jack, you made a good point, like keep it level and maybe Eberflus is saying all that to the, you know, to the media and everything, but it's clearly not trans, um, uh, going forward, I guess, like on the game and when the action comes out. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual game, did so you said that, Jack, you said that Luke Getze's game plan was bad, everything like that. Um, I don't know if I hated the game plan. Okay. It just didn't seem, I mean, there seemed like there was some confusion and everything. Um, they were able to drive the ball at times. I love the decision to go for it right out of the gate and hit Darnell Mooney on that 41 yard pass. And to be honest, maybe things look a little bit different if he's actually getting up right away and running. I'm not blaming that on Darnell Mooney because the officials should have seen that. It should not have blown that dead. Maybe this is a more competitive game when you're giving your defense a lead right off the bat, instead of just, you know, not getting points in your first drive. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like everything was, everything was bad, just bad execution. Maybe again, I'm not saying the game plan was good. I'm just maybe not like laying the blame at Getsy for the game plan. I don't know. Am I off base there? I mean, I agree with you fully on taking a shot deep on the first play from scrimmage. That was maybe, that was maybe my favorite part of the freaking game. Like that was that was awesome. We don't, we just don't see that. And why not? Like I've been, we've been talking about wanting to see that for years. I've mentioned several times that used to be my first play call. Every single game I ever coached would be a deep shot. Why not loosen up the defense, make them think you might go deep changes the entire tone of the game. So in that respect, absolutely agree. I get, I mean, I guess what I feel like though, is that there's just not, not an identity and it wasn't until we were deep in the hole that it seemed like Lugetzi decided that he was going to commit to the run. And I suppose, uh, again, trying to like recalibrate in real time, if you see a team go down and score as easy as the Chargers scored once and then twice, then I think your game plan needs to shift to a control the ball field position type of game. And so you've got to limit your three and outs. you got to limit your short possessions. And what that's going to equate to is running the ball, which is something that we have done probably the best of all aspects of our offense last year and this year. We seem to be able to run block. Uh, and even, you know, last night at various times, there was a lot of uh, there was some effectiveness on the ground. So to me, it seemed like there was an inability to shift in real time to be able to start to commit to the run game, to grind up some time, to keep the Chargers offense off the field. And then to, like this is the kind of typical game where you run to set up play action for your young quarterback who's maybe not reading the defense very well. So, I mean, again, I, there's a lot of blame to go around. There's no doubt about it. But I just feel like as good as Luke Getze called the game last week, like I said, I just feel like we either get good Luke Getze or we get, hey, is there a peewee coach, peewee football coach in the stands who might like to come down and call the offense for this game? Yeah, it, it also hurts when you put yourself in 
terrible situations with holding penalties and illegal yeah. hands to the face. And then maybe your game plan goes out the window because you're dealing with like third and 15s now and you're throwing a Cole Komet for 12 yards and getting like a fourth and three, unfortunately. Right. Um, it, stuff like that really, really takes you out of your element. Um, speaking of that, though, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on Tyson Bajan, his second start, throws two picks, you know, doesn't have the same sort of performance that he had before uh, when he's actually having to try and win the game. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit. I know uh, in the comments, I think our, our guy Todd was asking, about yeah, if we're going to address we'll it. Yeah, it, we'll get yeah, to we're, it. we're going to talk about the commentary and everything. But first, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on just Bajan's performance itself. So um, we'll start with Sheldon this time. I'll change it up since Jack and I were talking. Yeah, I was looking for it. I don't know if I'm going to uh, find it in time. Uh, I think Khalil Mack said it best, right? And I'll I'll kind of paraphrase. You know, the kid, kid looks good. He's got some moxie. He's got some confidence. But um, – as Khalil Mack said, he was glad number one wasn't out there, right? Like I, again, I, I, I know a lot of folks are fired up about Tyson Bajan. They like the idea of, you know, the undrafted free agent coming in a la, you know, uh, Brock Purdy out of nowhere and just being, being a stud, being, you know, Mr. Irrelevant and coming in and producing right away. Like that story would have been great. But um, I mean, I think reality sort of set in a little bit uh, this week. And while he does have some positive, he does have some, some, some qualities. He's a talented kid. You saw the arm limitations. Uh, <clears throat> and Jack, I, th I think you'll agree with this, right? There's a difference between being able to drop back and sort of just like air one out kind of arm strength and having the arm strength to like get out, uh, you know, to the numbers, to the outside on a rope so that you don't, you know, you don't give the cornerback a chance to jump the route and, and, pick it off. I mean, how many, how many interceptions should he have had uh, last night had things broke the other way? Um, and I just, I think you saw some of the limitations of his arm talent. Now, yeah, he can, he can maybe go back and throw it 40, 45 yards in the air, but my gosh, like what NFL quarterback can't, what NFL quarterback can't make that first throw he made of the game. Um, so I think he's always going to be uh, his ceiling is ceiling is always going to be limited because of his his physical attributes. But there are a lot of things that I did like. I mean, I I, I think he layers the ball nicely. I think he's got great touch and awareness, great touch on his throws, awareness in the pocket. Um, he seems to have an understanding of what he wants to do with the ball when he gets it. And and maybe it's just the physical limitations don't necessarily allow him to do those things. Um, but there is a lot, there's a lot to like, and I think he'd be a really solid backup because I think the more experience he gets, the more comfortable and, and, and he'll, uh, you know, use a little bit of veteran savvy, uh, to make up for some of the lack of physical attributes. I just don't see him as a starting quarterback long-term, uh, for the bears or, or another NFL team, uh, you know, and who knows what's going to happen with with fields when he's coming back i don't know if we want to get into that just yet i got a lot of thoughts on on how they've handled the the fields injury and uh the pr around that so um, we'll get into it we'll we'll get yeah, into I'll, it in i'll leave it at, i'll leave it at that <laughs> for now but uh I, I think my main takeaway was i think um reality sort of set in for tyson bajan i feel like wasn't it you like midweek that said you had a raging bajan i thought you were really on board, Shells. What it came Jack, uh, that was a private conversation you oh, and I had, and it I wasn't about Tyson Bajan. Aired that out to the to the to the crowd. Um, 
Yeah, no, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He got doubled up in, uh, you know, um, in, in uh, quarterback rating. I think it was 122 to like 62 uh, by Herbert, right? So when you see a professional quarterback of the highest level playing on the same field as, you know, um, your division two backup, it gives you some perspective. Ultimately, you know, if I make the statement that we all know, we all know this, it's not, not breaking any news here, but, you know, an elite quarterback, a franchise quarterback can change the entire trajectory of your franchise. And we're still waiting for it. <laughs> we are still waiting for it, whether that's, you know, you know, if Fields ever comes into his own or not. Um, but Bajan's not that, right? I mean, he's just, he's, he's not, he's fine. He's good. Um, you know, I think he moves the ball fairly well. Like we talked about last week, his pocket presence is good. Um, he's better at not taking sacks. Uh, I think you were spot on about his arm strength. When you, like you watch, you know, even someone like Cousins, you know, uh, earlier in the day or, or some of the other quarterbacks, they just fire frozen ropes, you know, like, like not like seven to eight yard ends or slants, but 15 to 20 yard crossing routes on a level one, not two, not three level one rope. You're like, okay, that's what it looks like. Okay. Right. And so, I mean, I don't think he has that type of, um, he doesn't have that type of talent. We're just, I mean, guys, we're a, we're a, we're a team that loses a lot of game with a division two backup quarterback starting. That's what we are. And it kind of sucks. Like he is the perfect backup quarterback. Like I think if you had said, if you had said, okay, who knows about what else happens, but Hey, Justin Fields is going to get hurt for a couple games. Got this backup. He's going to be one-on-one and he's going to have a pretty good performance and he's going to have a not so great performance. You'd probably accept that, right? Like you'd at least be able to do something to get you a win. It's kind of like Chase Daniel in that way. Chase Daniel did the same thing in 2018 and led the bears to a win, got into a loss, but you just kind of want to maintain that 500 level with a backup quarterback when the starter for when the starter comes back in. Um, He's got some of those intangibles where, yeah, he knows where the ball needs to go. He just doesn't, he can't make those throws physically. Um, Shells, I think you mentioned it, like the levels with some of the throws and leveling the throws. That one pass to DJ Moore, like yeah. that was just over the head of Eric Hendricks, was phenomenal. That was one of the yeah. coolest throws I think that he's made. Um, but then he's he's throwing into double coverage. He doesn't have the, the arm strength to get it outside enough before the DB closes in. We saw that with the almost interception, I think, with Asante Samuel. Um and look, when things aren't going well, when you can't rely on a good ground game and we're, when you're already playing behind or from behind, this is what's going to happen. You have to have the quarterback try and win the game. That's why he threw for 37 times, I think it was, because you were already playing down like two scores in the middle of the first quarter. That just can't happen. So it's a good story. It, the kid can definitely have a staying factor in the league, whether it's with the bears or with somebody else. And that I think is just a huge success for somebody of his ilk. But I mean, we saw it all week. Some of the, some of the, the takes, I call them Tyson takes both good and bad people just going from one end of the spectrum saying he is the next Brock Purdy. He should be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year versus just, you know, people defending fields for their, you know, for his life and everything. Um, that, that was just a bit ridiculous. Like let's call it what it is. He's a backup quarterback. He can come in and 
operate the offense efficiently when things are working well. And that's about it. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think this leads us into what was going on in the commentary. And I know shells especially want like is really itching to talk about this. Um, For those who don't know, if you weren't watching or just weren't paying attention uh, to Rico and uh, yeah, as Todd Welter in all seriousness has the Chris Collins commentary been addressed. We're addressing it now. Uh, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth admittedly had an agenda because they had said Dyson Bajan is going to be the number one talking point of this broadcast. He's the, the best story out there. Okay, great. But then some of the things that they were saying about him and how Justin Fields can learn from Bajan and how he really could be this, I'm, I'm putting words in their mouth, but just like this, you know, starting level quarterback and essentially kind of crapping on Fields a little bit. And talking about how a Division One championship level player in college, now in his third year, could learn from an undrafted rookie, that was a bit ridiculous. And there's been a lot of takes, a lot of commentary on it. Um, so, yeah, I want to hear what you guys think before I get my thoughts. But we'll go Jack and Shells for this one. Well, I, I guess what I would like to hear from Shells really is because I don't think I followed it as closely, but I did watch the Bernstein rant and. Um, what I would like for you to do, if you can, um, is create like a direct through line. I mean, in other words, are we just are we just piling on Flus because we don't like Flus and he's losing a lot of games and we think he's a bad coach, or do we think that somehow Flus like like put a seed in those guys' ears to and if to say the things that they said on the broadcast about? Bajent and about fields. In other words, here's the deal. I know you've gained some respect for Bernstein. I still have it. I just have it. And, and so I don't see the connection unless you can make a tangible connection for me, Shells. Yeah. So, so we know that these guys have production meetings with the staff, right? I mean, like they do their homework. They don't, they don't go into these games, the, the broadcast team and make up narratives what was interesting well, to me wait, was, they don't? Was, was Collinsworth. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. I mean, but, well, I, I, they do sometimes. Well, well, but but not really. Like th- th- this game, you you said it. They they were going to lead with Bajan. He was the story, and they supported it with quotes from Getzy about how much they love the kid and 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 all that. But in terms of the in terms of the uh, the field stuff, what Collinsworth said was what the Bears are are going to want to do not what he would do, right? He said what the Bears are going to do is have Field sit down and watch this tape, almost as if he was repeating something that he had heard. If Collinsworth had said, if I were the Bears, what I would do is sit Field. He didn't say that. Uh, he, he, the way he presented it was almost as if, like, this is the plan, is that the Bears are going to want him to sit down and look at what Bajan does and how he gets the ball out quicker. And I think people are making too much out of this like that it's some grand conspiracy. It's really not. I mean, it, it's, it's Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze trying to save their asses. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like it's, it's human nature uh, to want to save yourself here. And so, yeah, I absolutely think that in those meetings and when they were meeting with Collinsworth and Tarico, they made comments about, Hey, these are the things that we really like about Bajan. Some of the things he does that, that fields hasn't done yet. Just plant the seed. Like, Hey, just a reminder, Fields isn't our guy. Uh, we weren't here when he was drafted, and 
it's not our offensive system that sucks. That's getting the criticism, right? Uh, we know Justin Fields criticized our offense. We know fans are criticizing our offense. We know we're taking a lot of heat, but we want to make it clear. It's not our offensive system that sucks. It's the quarterback who can't run it. And we've heard this argument before from coaches in Chicago. We've heard this before, right? Like this isn't, this isn't a new, um, a new tack by coaches trying to save their ass and trying to save their job. Like throw the other regime under the bus. You know, the, 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 the famous uh, quip about like, you know, the president comes in and there's a letter from the old president in his um, desk. And it says, you know, for the first, the first uh, um, catastrophe, you know, take blame the other guy. Right. Uh, or, or I don't know, I'm going to screw up the thing, but basically it's like you get one chance to blame the other guy. And then like, once that's gone, then sit down and, and write your note for the next guy and on how to, how to blame the old regime. Right. Because, um, I just think that they, they, they want to make, they like their system. They love their system. They love the way Bajent runs their system and they want to try to make it clear as day that it's not, it's not them. It's, they don't have their guy. And so give us another year, give us another chance uh, to show what we can do when we have an opportunity to draft our guy, a more talented Bajent. And so I don't think it's wild to think that they put that bug in Collinsworth and Tarico's ear that, they're not happy with some of the fields, uh, some of the things that fields is doing on the field and that they think Bajan executes their offense better. I just don't think Collinsworth and Tarico pulled that out of nowhere. I, I guess I would just say that I respect you shells. And so time will tell, and we'll see if there's any merit to that, but we've talked on this show previously about how ridiculous the national broadcasts are and how they do choose some, I'm sorry, just some stupid effing narrative to just use up at nauseum that has really nothing to do specifically with the team. Hey, hey, Jack, Jack, Jack did about, you did you did you hear Justin Herbert has a he's got a flesh wound? It's just, just a, a flesh scrap. wound. It's just a flesh wound. Like shut the up. So I mean, the only pushback I would give you, Shells, is that that I I do think that that whole like Kim Warrell's posted something about how ridiculous the broadcast is and was everyone talks about how ridiculous Chris Collinsworth is and always is. And so I just, the problem I have is giving them any freaking credence whatsoever. The whole like two man talking head um, broadcast like platform needs to go away. I mean, I think Manning cast has shown that like this old school bullshit that they do with these national broadcasters is just dead. It's just dumb and it's dead. And so again, I like I said, I do respect you and I would like to see how this plays out and you may be 100% right. But I just, I don't see like the through line and the direct connection and I give zero credence to those two dudes up in the booth. But all, all they had to do was run with the Bajan narrative. They didn't have to bring in Fields and compare him to Fields and talk about how the Bears want to sit Fields down like he's a toddler and show him Tyson Bajan film on how he can improve, right? Like, again, they discuss things in the, in the production meetings and that's where they come up with their material and the things that they're going to talk about. So, you know, again, unless we think Collinsworth is just going off on his own completely and, and saying the bears want to do this, like, where would he get that from? Where would he, why would he say the bears want to do this? What's that? He just pulls things out of his ass all the time. 
Yeah, I I don't. It wasn't a one off to me. It was. I mean, it was a theme throughout the entire broadcast. Okay. I, see, my th- my thing is, I think there is some truth to it. Whereas in like these production meetings, they're talking to the coaches, they're talking to the quarterback, and I'm sure it did come up. Like maybe somebody asked a question, like, "Hey, does Tyson do things that Justin maybe doesn't do as well, or whatever? Can you run certain things with Tyson that you can't run with Justin?" I'm sure Luke probably said, yeah, you know, we do some things like this and Tyson does this well, but then Justin Fields does this well. And then maybe Collinsworth and Tariko sensationalized it and they took it to that more extreme level, which they didn't need to do. I think it was ridiculous to even just bring up the fact that, you know, Fields is out. He wasn't benched. He wasn't like, you know, he's not playing because he's, he sucked this year. He's had some sucky games, but he was rolling before he got hurt. Like, this is a guy who's just going to do the Collinsworth. Now, here's a guy who's just on the bench because he's hurt. You know? <laughs> like, the only reason Tyson Bajan is playing is because, you know, Fields can't. And I think that, you know, you want to talk about the 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 great, you know, all the Shepherd University stuff, all the, you know, the stupid, which, I, which was hilarious in, in its own right. The graphic that they made of, like, the three quarterbacks for the Chargers and then the dozens of Bears ones. Hey, that was a unique way of showing the graphic that we all knew. So I, I give him props for that. But um, you didn't need to bring Fields into it. You no. could just talk up Bajan for what he does well and what maybe Getsy can run with him and just leave it at that. So I personally think they sensationalized it. I don't think the Bears coaching staff was um, trying to, you know, just discredit Fields. But with how sort of things may have been presented, that's sort of the narrative that runs with it. So it's it's tough. It- to me, it's it's the invocation of the third person and everything they said. Even the the throwaway. Do you remember the throwaway? And it, yeah. they said that's a play. That's a play the Bears want Fields to make. Like he didn't say that's a play. That's something that Fields has to learn to do better, or that's some, that's an area I think Fields can improve. He kept invoking the third person, saying that's the Bears want him to do this and the Bears want him to do that. I don't know. I just I you know. Collinsworth is still a professional. Like, I don't think he's going to reference the Bears wanting certain things unless he's heard that from somebody. Um, I just don't think he would he would completely make it up multiple times throughout the broadcast unless the seed had been planted in his ear. And maybe he was doing it subconsciously. But to say the Bears want Fields to do that more, something that Tyson Bajan did, and the Bears want to sit Fields down and have him watch Tyson Bajan, like, it just... I don't know. It wasn't a first person. Here's what I think. It's right. Let me tell you what I've heard. Let me ask you this. I mean, if you go to the brass tacks of the situation and you look at fields over time, he hasn't performed overly well. Now that could be because of the coaching staff and the broth that he's currently in, but we know he holds on to the ball too long. We know that he's not good at um, throwing it away. Uh, we know that his processing is poor. So, I mean, if we back out for a minute, I mean, are any of the statements that were made incorrect? Or is Bernstein just looking to get some clicks and some notoriety yeah. and some listens? No, I don't no, think- no, no. I- yeah, go ahead, Brennan. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I don't think the statements are incorrect, but it's like you're not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. You know, there's there's kind of like that decorum to go through. And I, look, I was watching the game too when Tyson Bajan did that spin and threw it away. And I with I was with my buddy and he said, Fields probably gets sacked there, gets sacked in that situation. I'm like, 
yeah, maybe. Or he tries to run for like, you know, a yard or two. So it's one of those things that it, it is true, but it's like, you kind of can't do that at the same time. <laughs> well, and it's not just that though, but for a, for a coaching staff, that's completely absolved itself of any blame and how they've developed his pocket presence to go in and, and not create an offense for a young quarterback in his second offensive scheme to, to help get him confident and comfortable in the pocket to then develop his pocket presence. Like look at what the, what the, the Ravens did in year two for Lamar Jackson by bringing in, everybody wants Jim Harbaugh to be the next head coach because he, he brought Greg Roman along with him and look what he did with Colin Kaepernick. Well, look what he did with Lamar Jackson in year two, right? Like, I agree. Roman's done great at developing schemes and offenses offenses to fit the skill set that their quarterbacks have, and they flourished because of it. And all I'm saying is, if if this staff didn't come into this season with uh, a, a template and a paradigm for how they wanted their quarterback to be, which is not Justin Fields' skill set, it's not consistent with what he does well at a college, right? But if they had come into this season without that preconceived notion of what their quarterback had to be in this offense and develop something around his skill set to build. And I've talked about this before, Jack, to build his pocket presence concurrent with mm -hmm. having him run things he's comfortable with to be successful. I don't understand why it's got to be an either or like people are like, he's got to be a pocket passer or he has to be a Michael Vick running quarterback. Why can't we do a little bit of both? Why can't we give him the, the principles and things that he's comfortable doing to get him confident as a new quarterback in the NFL and make him comfortable and, and bring the other piece along with that. Like I feel like any good manager with an employee wouldn't just dump a bunch of shit on their new employees plate and go here, you got to learn all this new stuff and it's got to be perfect. And you got to do it my way. It's right. like, let's play to your strengths a little bit, get you confident, get you some confidence, lay, lay down a bunt just to, just to, <laughs> just to get a hit, just to get on, right. Get some confidence. And then we'll bring along the other stuff. Then we'll get you hit in the opposite field. Then we'll like, there was none of that. It was, no, we got to make Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers because that's who runs Luke Getzey's offense the best. And we saw what fields can do when Getzey caters to his strengths. Like he's had these runs of, of, you know, multiple games where he excels and then just that we got away from it. We, I just don't understand why we don't build the, the pocket awareness and presence and processing while we're, we're having him do the things that he's good at doing. Like those two things are not mutually exclusive and this staff didn't do that. And they're absolving themselves of any responsibility. I think that was Bernstein's point. It's like, look at who the hell are you guys to come in here? And you got this athletic unicorn and you just refuse to do anything to embrace what he does well and see if you can build him into a, a, a you know, a starting caliber NFL quarterback. That's that was my problem. I don't disagree with the comments. I agree. Fields needs to do a lot of things better, but let's not act like the staff has has made it easy for him or have, has put him in a uh, in a position to succeed and do those things well or improve on those things. It's fascinating if that's true, right? Because we get a former regime where the guy wants to run the Kansas City Chiefs offense with you know, uh, not the Kansas City Chiefs personnel, square peg, round hole. And if and if you're correct, a, a new regime, you know, who has like a previous conception of what it is they think the offense should look like separate of what their actual clientele is. And that, yeah. if that's the case, then, I mean, no surprise, 
you know, we're on a second regime of just, just not very good coaches. Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, like, it goes back to what I said a long, long time ago and repeatedly, like the previous regime had a, had a belief or had a plan. They couldn't execute it, but they had a plan for fields. And I'm not saying like, obviously he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's got those tendencies where Mahomes can kind of like make something out of nothing. He's not that just pure drop back passer. And there's a lot of different things with that offense. I thought fields on the pay on paper, it made sense for the Nagy offense. Now you bring in guys who coached up Rogers and Kirk cousins and just put them in that box to try to make them like that. And it just doesn't work. The management, the, re- the organization itself just hired guys who are going to trying to make fields who's something he's not and not cater to those strengths that he's, that he's had. Um, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I mean, it's, we know what it is. This coaching staff and fields just do not work and one or both is going to be gone. Um, and the, um, you know, maybe there's going to be success for one or both of them, but it's not going to be here together. Yeah. I, I mean, Olin, Olin had a great, uh, segment on six seventy. Uh, yeah. I recommend people go check it out. I mean, it was, it was spot on. Like if they're not going to create an offense around this guy, if he doesn't fit what they want to do, then then just get rid of him. Let him go flourish elsewhere. Exactly. All right. I, I don't mean to interrupt. We uh, we do have to get to a couple more segments real quickly. Um, going to bring it back to the game a little bit because we still have to do the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse. Oh, that's right. I turned the music down when we were doing our uh, shared screen. <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. Uh, but the outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our friend Jeff Cadwallader. He's been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And the dude's been killing it. Doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. There you go, Jack. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy. So make sure you call or text Jeff Cadwallader with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. It's beginning to become the end of the year. Maybe you're thinking about a new house at the new year. So give Jeff a call. Like I said, that's 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com. Yeah. Ryan's going to hate this music. <laughs> what did you put in the Google search bar to find that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I would delete your browsing history like immediately. Uh, I'm glad I don't know what that was. I just feel I like, either. you know what? We're just like let's, like, let's spice it up, right? You know? It's fun. <laughs> I don't know what oh, you're like. He's listen I mean, back to this. He's like, what are you guys doing? Your mind is always, always in the gutter. Always. I just thought some like peppy, upbeat music in the background of some reeds would be fun. And here you are, again, dragging us down. I'm just, I'm just if you wouldn't mind sharing those search terms with me <laughs> offline, I'm curious to know what you typed into your computer to yeah. get that music. Oh, oh my God. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, outhouse penthouse. Let's go, Sheldon Jack, and I'll wrap it up. Ah, oh, outhouse. I good thing Dangle's not here because I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy his guy, and I know this is gonna rip his heart out. But Phelis Jones, I've had I had enough. I've had enough. There's I've had enough. There's nothing he does well. 
Like this game was a microcosm of of all the things he does poorly. I haven't seen one thing he does well that Tyler Scott can't do for this team or any schlub off the street can't do, right? Like awful penalty on special teams. Can't even stay on his feet to catch a sure touchdown. You know, you talk about uh, that first play, Brendan, and could things have been different? You know, you, you get that play and then you hit Mooney wide open for a touchdown. Maybe things are a little bit different. Or uh, hit Bayless Jones for a wide open touchdown. Maybe things are different. But the guy can't even stay on his feet. And then he has another chance to catch it and it bounces off his chest. He, I just, he can't return punts. He can't be a gunner on special teams. He can't catch the ball. He can't stay on his feet. We're keeping him on the team to do end arounds and, and return kickoffs. Like that's, I don't know. The one kickoff he returned. Sick of the kid. Got to the 20. Got to the 20. Yeah. It's more of an indictment on Ryan Poles at this point. Like I defended the pick in the beginning, hoping that he saw something that maybe others didn't. Um, and I was willing to give him some grace on that being a first time GM, but Oh my God, that is, it'll go down as, as the worst pick of his regime. I think. Uh, so I was, I just keep looking for his name on the, on the box score and it's not there. Yeah. Yannick Ngakwe has no stats. So I don't know. I mean, I know he was in my outhouse last week, but, and I think he was actually in the stat line last week. Uh, so maybe I should have given him proper credit because he's just not anywhere in the stats this week. So I don't know, like we're going to, we may run out of time about talking about trades or not, but I don't know what good that guy's doing you at this point. Like if you can't even make an impact and no, no pass deflection, no quarterback pressure, no sack and no freaking tackles. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, man. Like, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. 10.5 million. 10.5 million. You can get it. Yikes. Oh, God. I could do that for 10.5 million. I cannot record yeah. a stand. You could. <laughs> I'll do it for 1 million. It look good Damn. doing it. Um, okay. Mine is going to be, mine's going to be Maddie Refluce, but it's going to be specifically the hits principle. The hits principle was nowhere to be seen yesterday. Hustle. Um, Darnell Mooney didn't really hustle out of that first play. Might have been different. Guys just missing tackles, looking lackadaisical at times. Intensity. There was no intensity on that goddamn sideline or anything. Guys just looked, you know, just disinterested to be there. Um, The ball. Try catching it. Try catching the ball. Going after the ball maybe. Might help. Um, And then smart. Uh, the stat I found today that really just pissed me off was the amount of pre-snap penalties the Bears have had this season. And I could be wrong in my counting, and we'll see when the official number comes out, but by my count, the Bears have committed 25 pre-snap penalties this year. There were four yesterday, two false starts, two offsides. They had 28 all season last year, and we're only in week eight. Like that is just so undisciplined. Look, happen. holding penalties happen. Okay. Defensive pass interference is stuff like that happens when the ball's in play. Okay. You sh- it shouldn't happen, but it does. When you can't even figure out like false starts or whether you're off sides or not twice in a game, what are you doing? The worst was when they came out to clearly try to draw the chargers off sides. And we had two guys jump at the end of the quarter. We're saved. <laughs> another, yeah. It should have been another penalty. Yeah. It should have been another one. 
Like, how do you do that? The ball's not even snapped yet. You're supposed to look at the goddamn ball and then watch what the other team does. It's so unacceptable. And for a coach that prides himself on all that bullshit, like, you can't have that. And especially after last year, not they, they were one of the least penalized teams last year. And it's definitely up a lot more this year. So that was just – that was disgusting. I hate it. I don't know um, how you go from first to worst in the course of a season when it comes to penalty. Or, like, not worst, but close to yeah. freaking close. So if for total penalties, I think what I looked at – I'm not looking at it now. I think they're, like, 12th or 13th. They're kind of middle of the pack. For pre-snap penalties, they're tied for second. Mm. So that that tells you what, what so that's about. That. Yeah. Um, all right, Penthouse. Uh, who are the stars of this game, if there were any? <laughs> it's uh, same order. The stars. I don't know if there were any stars on the Bears side, but uh, I'll give my Penthouse to Darnell Wright, who again played uh, really well on the offensive line. Um, you know, I said I said Valus Jones is by far Poles' worst draft pick, and and I think Darnell Wright's by far his best draft pick. I mean, what this guy has done with a lackluster supporting cast on the offensive line playing with rotating players next to him. Um, a count coming in, counting on lining up next to Nate Davis, a veteran didn't get any preseason time with him has gotten very few, you know, regular season snaps. The guy's held his own against some really quality top end pass rushers. Um, and recently has done so without the benefit of one of his arms. Uh, I mean, he's been <laughs> outstanding this season. Uh, like, the one positive, one of the very few positives uh, we can take from this year is that we've got ourselves at least one tackle. Can we talk about yeah. just the touchdown run? <laughs> we did it! Hang the banner. We've got what? a. Oh, we've got yeah. a tackle. Jalen Carter, but Jalen Carter. <laughs> I mean, our pass rush does still suck, but no. Can we talk about the touchdown run though, where Darnell Wright pulls? And he just looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones, like ready to kill someone. Yeah. I've watched that run so many times. It's, it just gives me so much joy. It was awesome. awesome. Uh, some people, I think, will question this. But, I mean, right now, T.J. Edwards, who led the team in tackles at 13, uh, nine of them four, uh, and two quarterback hits. I think I saw today that he is second in the league in tackles. That's pretty cool. I mean, I realize a lot of them are downfield. I just think <laughs> that it's about the broth that you're playing in. We know he's a good linebacker. We saw him play in Philly, a professional organization at the highest level. And so, as we've talked about previously with uh, perhaps a, a reconfigured defensive line, you got yourself a linebacker right there who – Finds the football, uh, and as I like to say, rather frequently, that dog can hunt. So, yeah, in my penthouse is uh, is locally grown T.J. Edwards. Not T.J. Right. Yeah, not T.J. Although T.J. Brooks deserves to be in there, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. We'll put both in there. My only gripe with T.J. Edwards was the missed that tackle play. on Austin Eckler. That was kind of a big play. I mean. It was brutal. <laughs> that was a tough one, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, uh Dangle's not here, so I'm going to give uh, his favorite guy some love and Jack's favorite guy some love and kind of my guy because I love him. Uh, Cole Komet. Let's go. Cole Komet, 10 targets, 10 catches, 79 yards. yards. He had a pretty – like, look, for a backup quarterback, a tight end is your best friend. I'm so glad that they actually got Cole Komet involved in the offense. 
maybe some of those targets should have gone to DJ Moore. I don't know. But at least Komet made the most out of every single one of them. He should have had a touchdown, too. That blown uh, call when he was, like, supposedly stopped, that was bullshit. He should have kept going. He should have had a score. So, uh, yeah, Cole Komet showed out. He was pretty much the only pass, pass catcher to do so on Sunday night. Um, all right, we are – I know we're at an hour already. Um, I do want to get to some trades real quickly. Anything else that you guys saw that we haven't talked about uh, from the game? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I just, I do just think it's really super odd at the preemptive whistles that the bears have received in the last, you know, three to four games. I mean, how about just don't, how about, it seems like in other games specifically, they are letting the play, play out and then making a decision afterwards which is the right choice to make and that mooney blown call was a bad freaking call the comet one maybe you could gripe about that and have a discussion but nonetheless i just it's i mean i guess good teams get breaks i don't know so don't complain about the officials meh yeah, for me, you you kind of mentioned it, Brendan, but it was going to be the lack of targets for DJ Moore. It's not just a Justin Fields thing, right? Like I know some people want to say, why isn't Fields uh, seeing DJ Moore? There is not a concerted effort sometimes for long periods of time to get him the ball. Like I, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the biggest thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to highlight YGK, uh, the mismanagement of timeouts. Bears didn't call a timeout yesterday. That was really weird. Really? And then the fact that Eberflus then, this was the dumbest thing ever. Tyson Bajan's at the goal line, and they think they potentially scored. When they're down 23 points, mind you, late in the fourth quarter, and Eberflus tries throwing a flag to challenge it, That's and great. then he's late on the challenge. I'm like, First, why are you challenging a play when you're down 23? Like, I know you want your your guy to get something here, I guess, to maybe feel a little bit good about himself, but holy crap, just just leave it. And then the fact that you're also late, like that was just, so embarrassing. So dumb. Yeah, so embarrassing. Embarrassing is the right word. So um, yeah, those were those are pretty much it. And the fact, like I said earlier, the Bears just can't win on Sunday night football. So it's really sad. They're going to flex. They're going to flex them right out of that Monday night game, aren't they? I think it's Carolina and the Bears. And I think they can flex Monday night games. So and Thursday. Well, Thursday's Carolina. Uh, okay. So I, I think this guy was playing the last time the Bears won on probably. Sunday night football. <laughs> okay. At home, they're holding. And if anybody in the comments can guess who this is, unlike my wonderful co hosts. You'll get a shout out at the end of the show. And it was before my time. It was before my yes. time. <laughs> uh, anybody? Can anybody? We'll see. Yeah. I thought Jack would get it for sure. Yeah. I think I was like too busy, like just manscaping and just trying to continue <laughs> to be man pretty. You know, it's kind of my full time job. Clearly. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you are pretty. Thanks. Bro. All right. Look, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Um, there's been some things coming out of Hallis Hall today. Well, first of all, Justin Fields, he's not going to play on Sunday. It's going to be Tyson Bajant yet again. Kind of surprised Eberflus ruled him out already. That just for somebody who tries to be super sneaky and you know, competitive advantage, that was a little uh interesting that he just completely ruled him out on Monday. Um, guys being hurt, like Jaquan Brisker entered concussion protocol. There's rumors surrounding Jalen Johnson at the trade deadline, so 
Um, yeah, I, I want to know from you guys, like this time tomorrow night, what's going to happen? Is anything going to happen with the Bears in the trade deadline? What do you think? Uh, let's go Jack and Shells, and I'll wrap it up. I guess my gut instinct, just knowing Pull's MO some, so far, is that there will be a move. Um, I mean, I already mentioned that I think, you know, obviously uh, the defensive end seems to be superfluous right now. I don't know why. Like, you're not going to sign him again. I don't know what their options are on him. And I would think that a contending team, well, gosh, why would they take him? <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking out loud here. But, you know, if the goal is to try to sell high, then I mean, maybe Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson is the better choice to try to sell high to get some actual equity for this team going forward. But like I said last week, I, I just, I would really like to see them re-sign Jalen Johnson. I think it's hard to find good corners. Uh, as an aside, even though Stevenson, Tyreek Stevenson has struggled, he was second in the team in tackling this past week. And I do see some great things in the future for our young defensive backs. I do. They're like, it's trial by fire for them, but I do think that they're going to continue to get to get better and be an asset for this team. Um, other than those two, I don't know, Shells, what do you think? If polls can somehow flip Eddie Jackson and Yannick Ngakwe for some picks this trade deadline, I will take back a lot of bad things I've said about him. Great point. Uh, if he if he trades Jalen Johnson, I think I'm I'm gonna be out on him completely. Like I I it's just it you gotta get to the point where you're you're keeping players. You can't continue to create holes that you then have to turn around and fill in free agency in the draft. And frankly, Ryan Poles hasn't shown that he is very good in free agency yet. Uh, he's, I think, in my opinion, better in the draft. I'd rather him continue to build through the draft. I know Jalen Johnson wasn't uh, his guy, but um, you got to start keeping players and building a nucle nucleus that, you know, <laughs> otherwise you're just perpetually in a rebuild. So I think you not you need to focus on the guys that are unlikely to be here next year and get something for them if you can and start signing your your homegrown talent. I love the Eddie Jackson. I think I think that would be a, a fantastic movie. I would love it. Time, but, I mean, time is what, spent. You know, yeah. shelf life is over with him. What was he doing? What what what? In, a, in case of an emergency, he, what, that was weird. what was going on? Uh, I, yeah, look, he, I know he's hurt, but like, if he's hurt, then sit why, him. Like, don't why, press yeah. him. This has happened a couple times. With fire him. extinguisher. What are we doing? Like, in case of an emergency, we'll dress <laughs> yeah. him. What are we doing? This organization yeah. is effed from top to bottom. <laughs> they are so disjointed, and no one is pulling on the same end of the rope in this place. It's it's. Look, I, I Kevin Warren's expression at the end of the game said it all. I mean, like, did anybody catch the the, yeah. the tweet oh. from Marcus D? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, buddy, you've been on the job for nine months. We've been dealing with this shit for decades. Like, if you think you're frustrated, you have no idea how pissed off we are. Yeah, it's almost like he's just like, like that SpongeBob clip, like just exhaling. Like, I've got so much effing work to do now yeah like oh my god well now i gotta deal with this stadium <laughs> yeah. bs now the team sucks too like yeah what did i what did i sign up for <laughs> like what in the actual f did i get yeah. hired to do here 
kind of seems like it exactly um look i i don't think any jackson's going to get traded unfortunately too many injury issues nobody's going to give anything for him um i i would be shocked if jalen johnson is moved he's the best cover corner they have like you said you have to retain good players and i think it sends a message to the locker room too negatively like hey doesn't matter how good you are doesn't matter what you think you are like we're we can ship you out and just all of those veteran guys it tore the defense up last year and somebody brought it up to Matt Eberflus in his press conference earlier today I don't think they do that again because it, it just that's a desperation move and who knows if Ryan Poles even has the go-ahead from Kevin Warren to make those changes like hey this is your you can't make any big additions or any big subtractions right now like we're gonna see this through and evaluate at the end of the year that being said, I think Yannick is a name to monitor. I think Justin Jones is a name to monitor. He's on an expiring deal, and he's had some moments over the last few weeks. He's a decent three technique, good locker room guy for the most part, it seems like. He could be an asset for somebody, maybe flip like a fourth or fifth. Um, and he's still relatively young, too. And then on the offensive side, I mean, with Khalil Herbert still hurt, I don't think Deontay Foreman gets moved. Um I think the Fields trade rumors were ridiculous before, and they're even more ridiculous now, especially with him being hurt. Quarterbacks don't get moved at the deadline. So my two names to monitor are Ngakwe and uh, and Justin Jones. You guys are smart. Yeah, the Jackson and Ngakwe, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. What time's the deadline tomorrow? I think it's uh, it's either 3 p. It's I think 4 p.m. Eastern Mountain. time, so 3 p.m. Eastern. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Afternoon. I don't know. It's I should know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, anything else before we get, get to shout outs? Anything, you know, maybe that came up in the press conference today or news? Because this is rare that we're doing a podcast a day after a game. So a lot more stuff has come out since then. No more nuggets for me. I hate this team. <laughs> That's it. You're not. Yeah, you're not laughing. You're, you're I wish you would like try to be a little more reserved about your opinions, Patrick. I mean, sometimes it's hard to tell. In fact, it, I can't tell where you stand on certain issues. So it makes it tough. Sometimes. <laughs> hey, there's right. more some great sarcasm, sarcasm from my son. Uh, <laughs> you can't freaking stand Eddie Jackson. <laughs> oh boy. Hey, hey, the Bulls won today. So that's cool. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get to shout outs then. So uh, shout outs will go Jack Shells and I'll wrap it up. Uh, okay, so the uh, the Sycamore High School Spartans dominated once again on Friday night in the first round of the playoffs. I want to say that makes them 12-0 in the first round of the playoffs in recent history. Uh, they beat uh, Evergreen Park 42-13. Uh, to 13, And they will play, yeah. Um, they will play Morgan Park. Uh, on Saturday uh, in the afternoon in round two. So shout out to um, the Psycho Spartans and to my son, Connor, who got a decent amount of time in the third and fourth quarters and made, boy, I should have looked at the stat line. I want to say he made um, like eight or nine tackles, uh, which was great. Uh, so shout out to them. I mean, I, I'm going to steal it. We may all do it, but shout out, shout out to Heidi once again. I'm so glad that you're safe and, I'm um, actually, you know, just to take it back to something a little bit more joyful. I mean, awesome that you got to see such a, a phenomenal win, right? I mean, before she left, that was really cool. They won for her and for her to make the trip up here um, 
you know, all the way from Mexico and then to play such a, a great game was really cool. And I'm glad for her that I think she got to meet a lot of great people from what I could ascertain. And then, um, you know, so this life is, this life is topsy turvy without a doubt, but, um, but she's strong. And, and as we've said, a lot of times, we're just so thankful for her and her, um, support of our show. So shout, shout out to Heidi. Yeah, that, that was one of mine. So I'll, I'll quickly shout out Heidi as well. I think we're, we're probably all in the same boat here. Uh, I also want to shout out Ryan Dingle again, uh, for doing something that he's so passionate about. I just admire his tenacity and, and the way he fights for a player when he really believes in one. And, uh, so Ryan, I do not want you to leave house hall tonight until you ensure Valus Jones gets a second contract. My friend, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, I know this is near and dear to your heart. So best of luck, my friend. Sorry, you're not here tonight. We certainly miss you. Uh, can't wait to get you back next week. And then my last shout out will go to, uh, Alexis Jade. Uh, she is at miss Alexis Jade been following each other for a little bit on Twitter. And, uh, uh, she's been posting some videos recently and, um, she's had some really reasonable takes on the bears quarterback situation, which is, uh, has been absent from bears Twitter <laughs> for, for a while. Um, and she's had some other, some other pretty reasonable takes on there. So, uh, really like her content and, uh, the stuff that she tweets out or what's it is posts. What do we say now? Yeah, X is out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm still going to call it Twitter and tweets. Whatever she, and, uh, she ex excretes. Is that? Sorry, no. Right. I apologize. I don't. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, oh, Elon will, will change the name here soon to something awful and, and lose another billion bucks. But uh, shout out to her. Uh, so go give her a follow. And um, I think that does it for me on the, on the shout out front. All right. Uh, same thing. Well, shout out to Heidi, of course. Uh, there is a GoFundMe that uh, our friends at the Barroom Network put together, so uh, we'll make sure we link out to that. We know, I know, we did uh, earlier in, I guess, last week. But um, you know, if anybody's willing and able, uh, again, just complete destruction and disaster in uh, Acapulco. I had to say that right. I kept like screwing my P's and C's together. But um, anyway, just you know, so just so thankful that Heidi. And her family are safe because she truly is the best. Uh, quick shout out to Ryan Sykes. Uh, he is somebody who wrote with Bears Wire in the past, and he's come back now in the last week or so. He's a phenomenal writer. He's a really funny guy. Um, so make sure you check out his work at Bears Wire. It's awesome to see him back. Um, and then shout out to my uh, my good friend, Anthony Woods. Um, him and I go back about 20 years or so uh back like in middle school and high school we got together over the weekend for the first time in like a year i feel like so it was good to catch up with him uh he had some uh interesting some fun takes on the podcast just names for different segments like you know silly things that would probably piss off ryan so i won't share them but <laughs> um, just uh it was really uh really good to see him so uh shout out to him and uh yeah it was, it was all fun so uh, for everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, we want to always thank you so much, especially on a Monday. We know it's a different day and there's a lot going on, uh, but we're thankful that you chose to spend it with us talking bears and listening to us commiserate about our favorite team. So make sure you follow us on social, give us a like, subscribe, please subscribe on YouTube. It definitely helps us grow. Uh, continue listening on audio as well. Just any way you interact with us, uh, we're very appreciative of it. Uh, but... 
Got a lot of play. Uh, for Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, my name is Brendan Chagrew. Thank you so much. And as always, bear down, Chicago.